preparing a portfolio for art and design, deadlines and whether you need to meet them, and a classic thought from Mark Twain. My name is Jonathan Tinnaker, and this is Better Uni Choices. This week we have a look at preparing a portfolio for art and design and all those other related creative courses. We check the UCAS deadlines and discuss whether you need to meet them. And we finish with a thought from Mark Twain all about reading. So, first up, let's look at preparing a portfolio for art and design. Now, firstly, I'd better make clear that I'm not a specialist in art and design. While I have been at the sharp end of making decisions on applications for a variety of subjects, I have not been an admissions tutor for art and design subjects. What I have had, however, is the opportunity to work with some amazing art teachers and lecturers, most notably at Loughborough University and the University of South Wales. I have listened to them talk about what they like to see in portfolios and watched them discuss individual portfolios with the students who created them. I have attempted to distill what I've learned into seven simple tips on preparing your portfolio. You'll soon realise, however, that it will take more than a short piece on a podcast for you to fully understand what an amazing portfolio will look like specifically for you. So take these tips as just the beginning, a jumping off point if you like, a platform from which to start your journey. So, number one, read the criteria closely. Your teachers will have told you this about exams until they are blue in the face. Read the question and make sure you understand it before you start your answer. It's the same with a portfolio. For every art school or university that you are applying for, check exactly when they want to receive the portfolio, how they want to receive it, and what they want it to include. So, when to submit it? Do you need to submit it with your application? Will they ask for it after they have your application? Or will they ask you to bring it to an interview? You'll want to know this well in advance so that you have the chance to submit some fully completed projects, even if you are submitting early in the year. It is critical that you submit on time and, particularly if there is any digital process involved, you shouldn't leave it to the last day under any circumstances. Uh, Digital platforms have a nasty habit of going down on the last day, not accepting your format and causing untold stress for students and teachers. Protect yourself from the stress by submitting early. How to submit it? Well, are you expected to submit it digitally? If so, is there some kind of system to upload it to or do you simply email it in? Do they require it to be in a specific digital format? Uh, Is there a maximum number of images or a maximum file size? Falling foul of any of the rules as you try to submit might simply mean the system will not accept your submission. And of course, what to submit? Well, most art schools will not prescribe exactly what you should include. However, some will have information and guidance that is pretty clear. For example, they might give a strong hint that they want to see drawing and sketching. If they do, then exclude these at your peril. They may give suggestions about how many projects to include. If they give a minimum, then make sure you meet it so that you are not shooting yourself in the foot for no reason. In short, read the instructions and don't start preparing your portfolio submission for a particular art school until you are satisfied that you fully understand their brief. Number two, uh, organise and tell your stories. A good portfolio will typically contain a number of projects. Think of each project as a story, not just a final outcome. For each story, they will want to see a thought process, a start, a middle and probably an end, though ironically the end is less important than the journey. This is your chance to show how good your skills are and how good your work is. But it's also the opportunity to show that you are hungry to learn and improve. 
So the story of each piece of the journey you have taken in developing the project is more important than the final work. Most art teachers will agree that it's easier to teach technical skills than it is to teach people how to have an idea. So when it comes to displaying each of your projects, it's really important to start with the idea. Where did the idea come from? Was it from a brief that you were given? Or was it something in your life that you saw, experienced and particularly cared about? Perhaps another artist or a specific piece of design inspired you. Show that original inspiration in your portfolio and tell the story of how it gave you an original idea. Next up, what observation did you do? Show the early sketches or photos that informed your idea. These can be as basic as you like. Did you then experiment? Did you try using different mediums? If it's a 3D piece of work, did you try different materials before settling on the final one? Show the development. How did you get from those early sketches and experiments to the final piece? So, for example, if you are submitting a short film, then you want to show your inspiration, submit early sketches and photos, plus your storyboards, as well as the final film. And don't be afraid of showing mistakes as part of the process. There is nothing wrong with making a mistake so long as you can show how you learned from it and improved the project because of it. Now, one project might be displayed all on one page, slide or frame. Others will be told over several pages. That's, that's up to you. Some of the stories might be self-explanatory, but normally you should put in some clear and concise labels. These could detail the brief, the media, the inspiration, the stage in the journey, even the length of time they took. Include whatever is required to make sense of where you started and where you got to in each story. In summary, each project you include should be displayed as an organised story, containing the original inspiration, observation work, examples of development, experimentation or exploration, and the final work. Number three. Show your technical skills with breadth. Yes, technical skills can be taught, but the school will want to know that you have the basic technical skills to build on. Almost every creative discipline will want you to be able to sketch your ideas simply and clearly on a piece of paper. So even if drawing is not your forte, you should include some sketches. From then on, show a breadth of technical ability. These may be directly associated with the discipline you've applied for, such as fashion designs, short films, 3D designs, etc. But selectors will almost certainly want to see you show some technical ability that is outside your chosen area. An applicant for filmmaking course who can actually paint or make sculptures is a far more intriguing prospect than one who only submits moving images. With technical ability, go for breadth rather than depth. Even if you are amazing at a particular discipline, such as life drawing, stick to one or two examples of this in your portfolio. Then move on to other disciplines which show a different skill or ability. For the purpose of demonstrating technical ability, it is fine to include a handful of one-off pieces of work. So, for example, a full portfolio might include six or seven full projects, plus a couple of pages of one-off sketches, drawings and paintings. Number four. Include quality over quantity. Again, every art selector will say the same thing. Less is more. And they'd rather see 10 amazing pieces of work than 20 where the average quality drops off. This sounds straightforward, but isn't. It's important to be clear that when we talk about quality, we are talking about the quality of the whole project, not the quality of individual drawings and sketches contained within. A high-quality project may contain some very basic sketches that, in their own right, may well not stand up to scrutiny. 
but which are important in telling the whole story of the development of the project. And as mentioned above, mistakes are okay and can even enhance a project. So pick your best projects, not just the best pieces of final work. Number five, think about the structure. Now, this might seem pretty obvious, but your portfolio needn't be in chronological order. Rather, it should be in an order that showcases your talent to the best effect. My advice? Start strong with one of your very best projects. Whether or not you are there in the room when the selector looks at it, you want to make them sit up and take notice that they have a contender here. Then move on to some more projects that tell a great story and show a clear process, idea, observation and development. These should be solid projects that show that the first one wasn't a one-off, but that you have a process you can repeat. Next, if you haven't already shown them, include some examples of your technical skills. These can be one-offs and will reassure them that you have the skills beyond your normal discipline. Finally, finish strong. In fact, finish with your very strongest work. It might be your most recent work, it might not, but it should leave them wanting to see more. Number six, be ready and able to discuss your work. For most art school selectors, the most interesting and important aspect of the selection process will be the portfolio interview. For this reason, when preparing your portfolio, you must only include work that you are happy and comfortable to talk about. As you prepare each project, have a think about what you might say if the selector asks you about it. Will your enthusiasm for the project shine through? Is there something about the project that is clear and memorable? Chances are that if you love the project, you'll want to talk about it. And if you didn't love it, you probably won't. So set yourself up for a positive interview by including the stuff that you love talking about. Number seven, do your research and get help. If I'm brutally honest, I know full well that a podcast such as this has some pretty big limitations when it comes to portfolio advice. I've seen plenty of universities show PowerPoint slides on how to prepare a portfolio or hand out leaflets, and there are of course loads of websites too. But when these slides, leaflets and websites are just lists of text, it makes my heart sink, because what you really need to do is to see what a good portfolio looks like, and hear directly from the selectors what excites them. Thankfully, there are plenty of websites, blogs and YouTube videos that will actually show you examples of portfolios and will bring to life everything that I've spoken about. The usual warnings apply, so check the source of the information to make sure it's credible. Universities themselves do some pretty good stuff, and there are a handful of independent blogs that I have found that look good too. In this context, just be aware that student-produced advice may not be the best, as the students themselves will have only a very narrow perspective of their own. Most of you will also have the opportunity to attend open days prior to applying. These are important for most students, but are vital for those submitting portfolios and attending interviews. Universities want you to submit the strongest possible application, and so at the open day, they will literally tell you exactly what the process is, what you need to do, and what they want to see, along with anecdotes about the best, and sometimes the worst, applications and portfolios they have seen. If you are serious about getting into a particular art school, my most important advice is to visit before you apply. And finally, most of you will of course have an art teacher. They will not be an expert in the requirements of every art school in the country, so it is up to you to research these, but they will be an expert in helping you tell your story and helping you to present your projects in the most compelling way. And of course, they've all been exactly where you are now, 
and successfully got into their chosen art school. So listen to them and be prepared to learn from them. Okay, we're going to move on to this week's Did You Know? Well, there are two formal submission dates for UCAS. Uh, This year was the 16th of October for any course at the Universities of Oxford and Cambridge and for most courses in medicine, veterinary medicine and dentistry. And coming up, there is Wednesday the 31st of January, which is the deadline for the rest of the courses on UCAS. Now, we learned last week that you can apply for some courses now and leave some till later. But what about applying late, after the deadline? Well, don't even think about applying for Oxford, Cambridge, Medicine, Veterinary or Dentistry courses late. You won't be considered and you will have wasted an application. For all other courses with a January deadline, if you're listening now, before the deadline, you should 100% meet it. And remember that for both deadlines, your school or college will have set an earlier deadline so that they have time to check your form and add the reference. So really, you need to meet their deadline, not just the UCAS deadline. If, however, you are listening after January the 31st, then you may still be able to apply. Many popular courses will be closed, but others will remain open, in particular for international students. So just check the UCAS website to see if the course is still taking applications, and if it says yes, then you can go ahead and apply. Under these circumstances, the university does not commit to treating your application equally with others, but the reality is that if the course is open on UCAS, your application will be considered. If it's not open on UCAS, don't waste your time applying. Simple. Now we're going to finish with our quote of the week, which this week comes from Mark Twain, uh, author and humorist. A person who won't read, he says, has no advantage over one who can't read. I mean, it's so true that it's almost not funny. Early subscribers will know that I'm a big fan of YouTube, podcasts, social media and short form content for helping you to pick up small tasks and make small changes. But if you really want to learn, you want to change your approach to something challenging and ultimately improve your life, there is nothing quite like a really good book. Now, next week, we'll have a look at one of the most difficult things to predict, the future of jobs, which jobs are on the rise and which are on the wane, and which skills are most in demand. We'll do this with the help of the latest World Economic Forum Insight Report. Thanks for listening. See you next time.